Welcome everybody to episode 7 of the Valkyrie Cast, a podcast about movies, TV, and video games. I'm your host Matt, along with me today are my co-hosts. First off, we have the man who tried to make his own Spider-Man web shooters. We have Tommy. What's up guys? Our other host dreams of cosplaying as a guardian from Destiny, and his name is Drew. (laughs) Hey everybody! And our special guest today is the creator of our epic Valkyrie logo. We have Keith. Hello. So this weekend, Spider-Man Homecoming hit the box offices, and we all went and saw it, and it was great. So today, our topic is Spider-Man and all the awesome things that we love about it. So to kind of segue us into talking about the movie, we wanna let's we're gonna talk about and bring up our some of our favorite or whatever our favorite Spider-Man memory is. Um, this is whether you grew up watching the '90s cartoon, or maybe you read a comic that you absolutely loved, or I mean, you've got three Spider-Man movies from the 2000s, and you've got the two uh, Amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. So, like, we have a lot of options. So, Keith, since you're our special guest, why don't you start us off with whatever your favorite Spider-Man memory is? Cool. So yeah, so Spider-Man for me uh, represents a really kind of a. a, a developmental period for me um in in elementary school my dad was was sick a lot and he was um in a hospital for about nine months out of out of one year in 97 um and i was uh, nine years old at the time uh and that was coincidentally the same age where you were able to check out comic books from the school library like you had to be like in fourth grade to be able to do that and so whenever they made that announcement i was so excited because all they had were marvel comics they didn't have any dc comics and so, you know, the first thing I went through was Fantastic Four, and I kind of burned through those and, and some X-Men. But when I got to Spider-Man, I latched on um, because of, you know, some of the issues that he dealt with were so intensely personal and so human uh, beyond, you know, what the X-Men were dealing with and beyond what the Fantastic Four were dealing with. And so it was a really kind of a, a cool chance to connect with the character. And you know, the, the 90s show was really popular um, at the time, so I was watching that on... on um, you know, afternoons after school, I'd run home and, and catch Spider-Man at 4.30. And, you know, just the action figures and everything else that kind of came along with that. It was a character that I connected with on a, on a really kind of deep basis. And I grew with the character as it, go, you know, as it came along. The first movie came out. I got really huge, uh, really, really excited for it. Um, probably gave it more credit than it, than it deserved. Um, but still, I think Spider-Man 2... Uh, for what it was uh, with Sam Raimi's vision to it and, and Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. I think it's still one of the best superhero movies one-off um, that have been made in terms of just story and, and character development and, and being true to what it is. Um, I'm excited about it. So that's uh, Spider-Man has, has a big place um, in my heart and uh, among all of the other superheroes uh, from the comics history up through the movies through video games through everything if, if he's in it i'm there no matter how terrible it is sometimes oh yeah that's true fan dedication all right drew what about you you got something yeah so i like spider-man but um i don't have as personal connection as keith did um and for me personally um i am kind of the opposite i lean more towards the dc side of things though i like marvel uh but long story short, um, Spider-Man's awesome. I really like him. And my, my favorite memory of Spider-Man, my, my one thing that I think, when I think Spider-Man, I've not read a lot of the comics. I've seen, you know, the original trilogy of movies. 
Um, I thought they were great at the time, especially since they were kind of, you know, the first superhero movies we had, more or less. I mean, I'm sure there are other examples before that, but that felt like the first kind of modern superhero movies. And uh, Well, outside of Batman. Yeah, outside of Batman, that's true. And, uh, you know, and, and there's a great example, too. Spawn. You know, and Spawn and Batman. Spawn is on Netflix, by the way. Oh, is it? Huh. <laughs> yeah, keep going, sorry. <laughs> but, well, no, that's a great example of what Keith was just saying. I think, like, Spider-Man has such a humanity about the character, and it's just so different. So, uh, anyways, long story short, my my thing, when I think of Sp- Spider-Man, there was a, I think it was a PlayStation 2 GameCube era video game. I think it was called Ultimate Spider-Man, and it was, like, cell-shaded. And that's, like, when I think of Spider-Man, like, what I think of specifically. Uh, did any of you guys play this game? I don't even know what it was called. I probably should have looked it up. I'm almost positive mm. it was Ultimate Spider-Man. But uh, it was so fun. And for, for a lot of the reasons Keith just said, like, I just could relate to the character. I love how Peter Parker is kind of, like, a wisecracker. Uh, I love that, like, in the middle of him fighting people, he tells jokes. That's hilarious to me and just kind of goofy and he's just this high schooler who's got superpowers and so for me that's probably my favorite spider-man memory was playing that game um and just like web slinging through downtown new york and stuff um so that's probably my biggest experience with spider-man that being said the new spider-man game that sony's coming out with looks amazing and like makes me want to buy a ps4 just to play that game so who knows come to the ps4 side drew it's a good time i i still have ultimate spider-man it was a great game i've got it on the playstation 2 if you if you ever want to play it i will bring it over it's it's a ton of fun yeah yeah so that's my spider-man thoughts i like spidey you know what keith i need to borrow that from you because i still have my ps2 and i i remember borrowing that from a friend way back in the day but i need to uh i know you you offered that to drew but i'm i'm gonna jump in on this (laughs) You're gonna the offer extends. I tell you what, why don't we do this? Why don't I come over to Drew's and we'll just we'll all get together and we'll have some fun. We'll play. Done. Done. <laughs> nice. All right. So Tommy, do you have since you don't like you know Marvel at least the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe? Do you, do you have any Spider-Man memories? Or something? I do actually. Um, so I actually kind of side with Keith a little bit. Uh, so a little backstory on me. I grew up on military bases. We didn't have comic book stores. I don't think our library had comic books. I'd never remember going through that section. Um, and so my first introduction to Spider-Man was actually it would get printed uh, in our newspaper. Um, and that is the one thing that my parents did subscribe to. And so I would read Spider-Man every morning. And I connected with him on a personal level because uh, I got bullied and picked on so much when I was uh, a kid and so I could relate to you know what Keith was saying to that you know um, just uh, the comics the character was real he he had real struggles there were real things that were going on and there were things that I dealt with too so I really enjoyed Spider-Man and I gotta give credit to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man that was probably the film back in the day that got me interested in making movies because i remember seeing it It was the first time i actively put in a dvd and watched the behind the scenes because i was like i want to (laughs) know how they did this like to me it was like how did he climb on walls i need to do this (laughs) like i need to make this happen but i gotta give him credit because that's that's what sent me down the rabbit hole of you know filmmaking and uh i have a lot of appreciation for where i am today because of that 
just piqued interest. Um, so while I don't like a lot of comics, I love Spider-Man. And I wish I was more of a comic book person. Um, and I often tell myself I'm going to go pick up some Spidey comics and get into it. But um, I never do. The problem with comics, I find, and Matt is really dove into comics, so he can maybe speak better to this than I can, but comics, mm-hmm. to me, seem a little overwhelming. Like, I feel the same way. Like, I'd love to go pick up a Spider-Man comic and dig into some of the Spider-Man comics, but there's just so much going on, and I'm just so confused. Um, so, who knows? Maybe yeah. we can figure out how to be better at comics, have an episode about how to get into comics at some point, because... <laughs> I feel the same way, Tommy, but I go to, like, for instance, I, we were at Barnes & Noble's last night, and, like, I went to the graphic novel section, with, and they had, like, even some of these stories compiled into books, and I still was like, I don't know what to get and what not to get, because there's a million of them. And by the way, there's, like, three or four different Spider-Mens now, or at least I know there are two, and then there's some probably mm-hmm. alternate dimension different Spider-Mens, which that's a whole comic book issue in and of itself, so. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. so many. So Mar- many. Marvel's, Marvel's comics right now um, have been a little meh hit or miss especially spider-man um though i will say as part of my memories uh this is uh not um not really a memory since it was recent but there is a comic that came out literally like two weeks ago called hold on i gotta look at it it's on my wall uh it's called peter parker the spectacular spider-man it came out like a week or two ago and I bought it because it was the number one and I love, and I've tried to read some of the newer Peter Parker Spider-Man stuff and I just couldn't get into it because some of the backstory where it led him to where they was now, he was more uh, in short, he was more like almost like Tony Stark, like he had his own company, he was really well known or Peter Parker was and Spider-Man was running around with a bunch of tech and stuff and it just wasn't nearly as interesting as the poor Peter Parker who gets by by taking pictures of Spider-Man and is just trying to do good and stuff but the one that I was just saying that came out is very very similar to like classic Spider-Man it was really good so I'm really hoping that that comic goes really well but for me when it my memory when I first think of when I think of my favorite Spider-Man memory um and I completely forgot about this until Homecoming was coming out and I was checking out some stuff because um, I, I enjoyed our Andrew Garfield's uh, portrayal of Spider-Man. I enjoyed some scenes, but there was one thing that, like, when I think of Spider-Man, in Spider-Man 2, one of the coolest and most memorable scenes I can think of is the scene when he's fighting Doc Ock on top of the train. And <laughs> Doc Ock disables the train and Spider-Man takes his mask off because it gets burnt goes to the front of the train and has to like try to stop it and he's shooting the webs and like he he's it's like pulling him and like breaking the train and stuff and then he passes out and like the 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 people like pick him up and pull him down and put him on the ground he doesn't have his mask and they're all just like he's just a kid whatnot and he wakes up and this little kid hands him his mask and just goes we won't tell anybody and he just goes away that whole scene is just amazing to me i love it because like the fighting was fun the whole you know trying to risk his life to save these people and like he'd even think about his identity like he throws his mask off and he's just like oh crap i've got to save these people and it's like when i think of like superheroing it's one of the first things that goes to my mind and it's just such a cool scene so. yeah me chills man that's one of my favorite scenes in that movie too i just said like that's so that's good. one of the best comic movies ever put together for that for that reason it digs in yeah. to like the motivations and like tommy said it's 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 art as film 
Yes, it's awesome. So yeah, so there's some of our favorite Spider-Man memories. So let's jump into this. Let's let's talk about the um, movie that come at, uh, that we just watched, and we're gonna do our initial reactions. And I guess I'll go first. Um, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. I absolutely loved um, uh, Tom Holland's portrayal of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And we, we're still in, you know, just initial reactions. It's, none of this will be spoilers yet. We haven't given our spoiler warning. Don't worry. Um, but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I want to see it again because I try to go in and just... Um, uh, I try to go in and just... Uh, you know, enjoy the movie and try not to overthink it the first time. But, um, you know, I, sometimes I need to watch it a second time to be a little more critical. But overall, I liked it. And um, I look forward to I, I don't can't don't really have el- much else to say until we get into spoilers. But overall, I really enjoyed it. So. So um, I like this movie a lot, uh, personally, and I, I like Marvel movies. Like I, I understand kind of what we were talking about a few minutes back, how they can kind of feel like promotions for the next one and everything else. But my initial thoughts was I like just how fun this was. And this isn't a spoiler, but there's a scene uh, early on. And I feel like this scene is it's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. And it sums up what I like about the movie so much. And he, uh, it's Spider-Man and he like shoots his web slingers and he jumps off a roof, but he didn't judge it quite right. And he just slams into the roof because he's still figuring oh gosh, this I out. That. That's hilarious. And it was like this half second scene, but that really sums up what my initial thought was. And why I love this movie is like Peter Parker is such a, like such a high schooler, a ninth grader in this like ninth tenth grader in this he's not 16 yet i think they mentioned at some point that he's like 14 or 15 somewhere in that ballpark 15. and he and he feels like he's that age and like that was the moment it's he there's just so much awkwardness in and just so much of him being a high schooler and there's so much humanity and realness and tom and kudos to tom hollands man like he i think he was part of the reason I love this movie so much. I thought he did such a great job. But that was my initial thought. I just loved the character of Spider-Man in this one. I think that all the Spider-Man movies we've been talking about have portrayed different characteristics of Spider-Man really well. And I just felt like this was the one that really got the high school Spider-Man right and i really really loved it um and that that was me i just love the awkward funniness of the whole movie like it made me laugh a lot and especially that that scene i just i may have been laughing the hardest but it was so good <laughs> uh i'm actually a little i'm a little indifferent i don't know i think it is by far the best peter parker film we've ever had i absolutely love the character that they set up um I really hate almost all of the Marvel elements, and and uh, in discussing with a friend, it was like Shocker. you could feel so the Sony. Yeah, Tommy. oh, I know. You never, never guess that. <laughs> um, I think you could still see some moments that uh, I'll refer to as like Sony elements. I think that there were a couple spots where like. I feel like it was just like the Sony movies where maybe they had a hand. They're like, "Hey, we really need this to happen, or want this to happen, or whatever." Uh, and then there were the moments that felt like every other Marvel film I've seen and I went, uh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> was there any particular thing that like, cause what, is there something that's particular stands out Tommy to that, that like made you think that like, no, it, it might be a visual style and it, okay. it may something as simple as that, 
but watching uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, and they went back and they actually shot it on 35 millimeter film. And, and I think that there's just, to me, there's a difference in approach and um, and the work that gets put into something and the visual style. I guess visual style is the best way that I can put it. Is there's something yeah. about the way that it's presented, the way that it's polished versus the way that we've been presented it in the past and the way that it's shot that I just, I don't know, it doesn't click with me. I feel you. You know, there's there's something, um, and, and you can look this up. There's a guy who did this whole breakdown of it on YouTube, but all of the Marvel movies from a, and this, I'm wondering if this is it, Tommy, all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies from a filming standpoint are very flat. They're not very, they're kind of muddy in the how the, the visuals are. Like, um, and, and if you don't have an eye for film, and I know Tommy does because it's what he does for a living, um, you might not notice it, but, and I really, I did, I noticed it kind of, but then I didn't notice until I found this guy on YouTube who did this whole breakdown on it. And he was like, my biggest problem is like, everything's just so muddy looking and like, there's no vivid colors or anything. Not that you always have to have vivid colors, and, like, a good example for this, you know, Spider-Man's suit looks real good and colorful, so it's not as bad. But even, like, Iron Man's suit in this movie was really just kind of bleh. Like, it was a little bit of red or a lot of silver, and there's just really not nothing, you know, it's very flat and kind of boring looking in color. The best way to describe it is, like, a painter's palette. You know, Da Vinci, uh, Leonardo, like, um, Pablo Picasso, like, all... Uh, Every painter that you can think of, man, I don't know why I just stumbled so hard on those. Um, every painter that you think of, though, has a different style and approach and has a different palette based upon the medium that they use. And so uh, if you hand them all the same subject, they're all going to present it differently visually. Like it's going to come out different even if you give them the same canvas. And so I think that uh, I think muddy is a really good, really good descriptive word for it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll piggyback onto that, too. I think that color grading and, and some of those things that you can do really forward the story. Um, I think it's one thing that a lot of these sort of blockbusters miss out that I think that Marvel actually is doing really, really well on their Netflix series. Um, I've been watching Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones kind of the last two or three months and getting ready for that big team up in the, in the fall. And one of the things they do really, really well is the use of bright, vivid color to tell the story scene by scene, character by character. And I think that's one of the things we miss out on with the MCU. Everything's very sort of, like you said, flat. There's, yeah, I agree. Um, I'll, I'll take my turn now, um, if that's okay. The No, no, it's things... not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. We good. I'm the, I'm the guest. I'll, I'll wait. Um, I, I, I agree with you on a lot of those points. Um, Drew, I, I think I made a note that this finally felt like, and we talked about this a little bit beforehand, that this was finally a teenage Peter Parker, where all of the other movies and all the other reboots have started, but they try to make him into an adult too quickly. They, they try to sort of rush through the entire history um, and the whole storyline of Peter Parker as Spider-Man by introducing Mary Jane, you know, three or four years early in the, the timeline or you know, whatever they need to do or you know, introducing J. Jonah Jameson early. Um, this didn't rush. You know, it, it, it let him be a teenager, let him deal with everything that Spider-Man had to deal with without having to make him the big hero of New York at the end of it. Um, and, you know, we'll get to spoilers at the end. Uh, I felt like um, this was like a, like a John Hughes 
kind of movie. Like it wasn't trying too hard to be a superhero movie. It just kind of happened to be one while you're while you're having this kid kind of deal with teenage problems, uh, which I mm-hmm. thought was a lot of fun. And there were some very obvious references to John Hughes uh, films throughout the movie, um, and very deliberate ones. Uh, but that was great. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, it stood out obviously from some of the MCU because of, I think some of the stuff that Sony had in there. When we get into Easter eggs, we'll talk about some of the ways that they specifically referenced the Sony films um, with Tobey Maguire and with, with Andrew Garfield. Some of the things mm-hmm. I, I didn't like, and I'm a, I hate to say this because like I, I came into it so excited just with it being Spider-Man. Um, I do feel like they're trying, they were trying to kind of morph Spider-Man into that MCU kind of feel. And, and, Drew, you touched on this a little bit earlier um, with the idea of, you know, or maybe it was Matt, I think, in the comics saying that, you know, Peter Parker has this empire and he has all this tech and he has all this other stuff, kind of like, you know, Arrow or Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark or, you know, any of these, you know, the Adam, these guys. Um, and that's never been Spider-Man. He's been like the neighborhood guy with the suit who goes around and he saves you. people. But like he does, that's one of the things I didn't love about this movie is that he had like all these sidekicks and he had like the special suit that talked to him and like had GPS in it. And he was Iron Man, he was the Spider Man version of Iron Man without jetpacks. Exactly, mm. exactly. And so mm. I didn't love that. Um, and I felt like they were just trying to conform the character because I think that's what they want people to think about superheroes now is that they have to have a team behind them or they have to have somebody in the chair, whether it's an Oracle or an Overwatch <laughs> or whatever. The guy in the um, chair. The guy yeah, in the chair. guy in the chair, which I thought it was great. I love what they did with Ned's character. Easter egg later on, on why I don't particularly love that it was Ned. Um, and then visual effects. To me, the Spider, every one of the Spider-Man movies that, that's come out from Sony has these big, beautiful visual effects sequence of whether it's him swinging through town or it's you know the big uh like in spider-man 2 the train or whatever this one had the fairy um and that's not a spoiler because that's like the number one thing that sony put in all of the trailers um but throughout the movie like the fight scenes and everything else the visual effects were just so frenetic and they were happening so fast that there were a lot of times it was really hard to tell what was going on um and I felt like that was the only time that we got really cool visual effects sequences with the web slinging and everything else was that we didn't get to have these really cool cinematic kind of artful moments um, where you sort of see the beauty of Spider-Man and what he does and, and how he is like an acrobat swinging through New York. So I, I missed that. But overall, I think it was a great movie. Had a lot of fun. I do think, Keith, what you're saying is I get what you're saying about like pulling Spider-Man and MCU and everything else like that. I do think part of the reason Marvel did that is because I think and Matt, you know comics better than I do, and you guys too. I think maybe in the original Civil War comics, like Tony Stark and Peter Parker get real close, and like Tony makes him this like super advanced suit and everything mm-hmm. else. But even in the oh, yeah. even even at the end of that story, he ends up going back to like his normal suits and his normal roots. Mm-hmm. Um, so that whole story that whole storyline is the actual Civil War comic storyline. Well, there you go. He, when he join when Spider-Man joins the um, the you know in the comics it's called something else but you know you call it the Sokovia Accords basically mm-hmm. when he joins that side he reveals his identity and Iron Man gives him the Iron Spider suit which is this it's basically the Iron Man suit but for Spider-Man and he uses it until he realizes that he made a terrible mistake and. Um, I think he tries to fight Iron Man, and Iron Man basically shuts the suit down because he has control over that it. That sounds right. Goes, when he joins Captain yep. side, Captain America's side, he goes back to his classic suit. So that's yeah. where some of those elements come in. Um, but yeah, so you know what? We're getting, you know, those are our overall views. My last thing I want to add before we dive deeper in is, you know, 
uh, y'all touched on it, but for me, I do think the different versions of Spider-Man, uh, the Sam Raimi version, uh, those movies, he were good, but it wasn't very comic book Spider-Man. Fantastic movies and great, like we said, have some truly good um, superhero moments. But one thing I liked about specifically uh, Andrew Garfield's portrayal of him was I liked his version of Spider-Man, but I didn't like his version of Peter Parker. He was a great Spider-Man because he was quippy, he was funny, he was jumping around and talking while fighting, which is what I think about in Spider-Man. And um, But he was way too cool to be Peter Parker. Like, yeah. yeah, he was like, he was like a, a cool punk, dude. Like, cool kid. Yeah and, yeah, and that's not, like, Peter's supposed to be, like, this, like... I mean, in the old comics, he was, like, super, super nerdy. Like, you know, in even this version, you know, they've toned that down. And in other versions, it's not as much. But, like, this does a good job of Peter is this awkward. He's got one friend. He's in, He does all the really nerdy stuff. Um, but then, like, he's really quippy and funny and exactly what probably I would be if I was Spider-Man. So, And um, I think I think you're right. Like, this is a really believable Peter Parker and, like, the whole setting with, like, him in high school felt very real to what high school feels like nowadays. I just think they missed a big opportunity not adding fidget spinners to more kids <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> they really, oh like, brought me out of the realism when I didn't see some kids walking down the halls, like, spinning those things. Um, sorry, I just had to say that. You know what time it is, guys. It is spoiler time. So basically, if you've not seen the movie, you know, that's our overall thought of it. But um, now we're, let's dive in deep and, you know, we can do feel free to talk about specifics of the movie. Um, I want to I want to just highlight uh, before we get to because I know, Keith, you really want to talk about the Easter eggs and stuff. Um, let's I want to just go over some of the things I really, really liked about it. And I've got some things I don't like about it, but. Uh, we've we've killed the fact that Tom Holland did an amazing job as Spidey and Peter, but I think Michael Keaton did a awesome job as the villain. Agreed. And the design of the yes. Vulture was so cool and way cooler actually in the movie than I expected. Because seeing it in the trailers, I was like, I'm not sure if that's going to work really well, but like, it was such a cool design. And if you look at Vulture in the comics, this is so much cooler than what he's like in the comics. Mm-hmm. And like... We, you know, it's a common fact that the MCU has an issue, has a problem with villains. Yeah, they're not super great at villains, but I think that this was a very, a very relatable villain. Like everything that he did, I was like, I get that. I can see why you're doing that. Like it's wrong, and you know, people get hurt. But dude, I completely can. I completely understand why you're doing that. So, and how that, about that, that reveal though? Like, oh. <gasps> Oh my god. Okay, so did anyone see that coming? No. No. Me neither. And, and and to catch me off guard, like I pick up on there was so if Same you don't here. know what we're talking about, we're talking obviously talking about how when Peter goes to pick up Liz for homecoming, the door opens and uh Michael Keaton's character's there, the vulture standing there. And my first initial gut reaction was, Oh shoot, he figured out who Peter was. Yeah. Exactly. That was what I initially yeah. thought. And then I went, Why is he wearing plaid? Why is he not wearing his <laughs> jumpsuit? <laughs> and then it dawned on me like a second later. I was like, oh, shoot, that's Liz's dad. Because like we knew that Vulture, we knew he had a family. He always talks about his family. But maybe I missed it. 
I don't remember him saying anything about a daughter. Like, he did. I think he, did. He, he said he had a wife. Kid. He yeah. did okay, mention yeah, a wife so, and a daughter. Like, no, no clue. And it was that that led to one of the coolest like chill scenes of the movie which is when he drops them off at homecoming and he Dude, figured the it awkwardness out. of that car ride and, was he, the and he turns and like go on in honey i'm gonna give him the dad talk and he pulls a glock out and just puts it there is like does she know and he's like no and you know in that moment i was thinking about this because right before he basically was like i'm killing the spider-man kid and in this moment, I think he generally was like, this kid saved my daughter's life because of the whole Washington thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he generally was like, stay out of it. I've got one job left to do and I'm out. Just, I'm going to give this kid a break and we're, we're you know, and then I don't have to worry about it any anymore. And like, as an adult, like all, part of me really was just like, if I was in that situation, like. I don't know what I would do. I think I was like Peter, just go to homecoming and enjoying it. But like Peter's too much of a, <laughs> oh, a there's too much of a good and evil, and Peter just couldn't let it go. And I love that about the character. But like in that moment, like the awkwardness and just the stress. Like this movie did a really good job of just making me feel really awkward for Peter. And like in, in moments like that where I'm just like, oh, I'm uncomfortable because he's uncomfortable. This is doing a good job. Yeah, and I will say I think that the casting director was brilliant. For the I don't I didn't I didn't see who it was, um, but that reveal I think worked so well because of the casting choice. I think had Liz been your typical white character like Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. we would have probably picked up on it earlier. But I think the multiracial aspect of of a couple of the different relationships kind of throughout the movie um, mm-hmm. was was a great nod to kind of making a more diverse cast out of what's been traditionally a very sort of white universe. Um, mm-hmm but it completely throws you for a loop because you have no idea that Liz's dad is a white guy for one. Mm-hmm. And so like whenever that hits you, it's like, Oh my God, that never even like, that never even occurred to me that this was a possibility. So hats off to, to the casting team for the, mm-hmm. for the film. Great, great job. Well, and I felt oh, like, yeah. I felt like Vulture. Is it, that's right. Vulture, right? Yeah. As soon as, I, as soon as I said that, like I second guessed myself on, <laughs> um, I, and here's the deal. I didn't think he was like a groundbreaking villain. And I just feel like it, and maybe Marvel, and I don't know if that was a little bit of Sony leaning in or if, if this is just Marvel learning, but I just feel like Marvel needs to learn to just give their, their villains, uh, th- their villains are always cool. I mean, none of them have ever not looked cool or had cool weapons or stuff. The vulture suit was epic like probably some of the coolest visual effects in the whole movie was just his suit i thought um Mm -hmm. he felt like an evil iron man kind of to me i kind of got some vibe of just this like really evil iron man vibe but um i just felt like just the simple explaining that this guy's providing for his family and that's why he's doing this gave so much much and, and he's an awesome actor too so that probably had help with it as well, but he just sold that. I believed 100% that he was not doing this because he's a bad dude or even wanted mm-hmm. to kill someone. I thought that one scene when he's in the shop with his crew and he picks up the gun <laughs> and he zaps the guy and he kills him, and then the second later is like, I thought that was the anti-gravity gun. I, <laughs> I didn't really mean to incinerate him. I felt that like that was a real little thing, but really showed a lot of his character that I, don't, I never really believed that he really wanted to hurt a lot of people. He's just trying to do right by his family and felt like he couldn't do it any other way, but this way. 
I kind of disagree, and this is actually one of those moments that I really hate Marvel films because any time that one of the few people who ever die in a Marvel film, the moment afterwards is always preceded by a joke. Every single time. Mm. So that's what that does. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and Drew, I think the, the point that you bring up, again, kind of reinforces Marvel is all about the humanization of the villains. And so far we've had the Red Skull you know, Nazi warlord, you know, we've had Ultron, you know, remorseless robot. We've had Loki. We've had the, best, all of these, the only good villain. <laughs> yeah, And so we've had all of these like massive, uh, and even in guardians, we've had these characters, these villains who are completely one-sided and are 100% fully evil. It was nice to kind of have, you know, like some shades to it. Cause like at some point you kind of like, well, maybe Peter, just kind of let him do this thing, man. He's just kind of providing for his family. He's, he's doing what he's got to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes you stop and do that in a way that we haven't done with other Marvel um, villains so far. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Tommy. Um, I, I read an article um, shortly, kind of right around the time that, that Wonder Woman came out, and they were kind of discussing what DC was going to be doing differently for Marvel. And that was one of their big critiques, is that Marvel has the opportunity to do these really big, dramatic high gravity kind of moments but they just won't let themselves do it because they have to make a joke or have to be funny and they won't let themselves be serious and i, I agree that's a that's a really good critique of what they've done so far i like that they didn't mm-hmm. do it in this one mm-hmm. not that i agree died, with but, you yeah. i agree 100 percent with you keith one thing i liked about it is that you're right the stakes weren't high dude was just mm-hmm. stealing tech and you know making really dangerous guns but this wasn't ego the living planet destroying the world or the red skull <laughs> trying to you know, win World War Two or Loki trying to destroy everything. The stakes were like pretty low compared to it, and this movie did a really good job of like um, giving value to the uh, how to put it the the lower villains because you know we get to see the Vulture, we get to see the Shocker, um, the dude who made all the tech is the Tinkerer is another villain who just makes all kinds of texts in the comic. And then at the very end, we get a a hint at the Scorpion. And these are all, like, in the grand scheme of things, not compared to the other ones, they're kind of just normal villains. But, like, they did a really good job of, like, making those worth it. And I I really appreciate that because, like, you know, it it goes to prove we don't need a god trying to destroy everything and the stakes to be Mm -hmm. that high the stakes can just be these weapons can hurt normal people everyday people like that dude in the diner across that i really like he almost got killed and like (laughs) i need to stop him and i really appreciate that was refreshing to me and i enjoyed that you're talking about shocker and those other guys matt um (laughs) this is kind of funny we're sitting in the theater and when the shocker shows up and like they're talking about him being the shocker and everything else my wife leans over and she's like, is that like a real person? And I didn't know if it was, but I just said yes, because that's my general answer to any Marvel character. Cause there's just so <laughs> many of them. I'm like, but yeah, right. he's, yeah. he's real. So I'm glad to hear that. I was right. And didn't lie to my wife. So you were right. You were right. Yes. It was a fun way they did it too. Cause it was like calling yourself yep. the shocker. And I was like, ha, he is the shocker. That's awesome. So you even had like the sleeves from like the shockers costume Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah so if we can i'd love to turn it to some of the easter eggs and 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 we've mentioned a couple of these with you know the fact that there are so many bit characters in the marvel universe and 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 mcu has been really good about trying to to work a lot of these in but i think this film more than anything was able to do that in a way that wasn't sort of hit you over the head the entire time Mm -hmm. um 
you know, there are a ton of articles that you can go out to, to track all of them down from seeing Bruce Banner um, in a photo of like all of the famous scientists in history in a science classroom. And, um, you know, the principal at the high school is the grandson of one of the uh, howling, uh, the howlers, the, the guys that Captain America was in with the, in World War II. You know, lots of those little things kind of throughout. But I think the, the connections to Sony were, were, were I think, my favorite thing. Um, you know, whenever uh, Peter has saved Liz in the elevator and he's upside down, like, face-to-face with her. And oh, I love is, that. Kiss her, kiss her. <laughs> like, okay, just, that's cool. Now's your, now's that was a nice chance, reference to, to Tobey Maguire. And then um, there's, like, at the homecoming dance, Flash Thompson's talking about, like, I know uh, Fresh uh, Bronzino, and that was not Fresh Bronzino, which is a nice reference to the dinner table scene in Amazing Spider-Man with Captain Stacy whenever they make Bronzino, and it's like this whole thing throughout the movie. So there were mm-hmm. nice little subtle touches to kind of connect everything together for people who are paying attention. But I think the, the Easter egg that got the most attention in all of those articles that I was reading uh, was the appearance of Donald Glover. Um, if you ah, know Donald yes. Glover... Uh, yep. He's Troy in Community. Um, yeah. He's on the show Atlanta now. He's a he's Childish Gambino, the rapper. It was it was fun to see him and a couple other uh, like Hannibal Burris and some other um, comedians and, and this kind of folks in the movie. But Donald Glover was the big one because if you're if you're not familiar with sort of where Spider Man's been the last ten years, um, Donald Glover actually made a really big campaign to be Spider Man in Amazing Spider Man, and Andrew Garfield got picked over him. And so you know he's kind of been in the background wanting to be involved with the universe for a while. And so it was fun to kind of see him come in as like a two-bit criminal in the area. Um, and he makes, in the, in the interrogation scene, uh, where, where Spider-Man is trying to interrogate him. And, and so camp, funny, by the way. Which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, he plays it off and kind of helps him out. And he talks about, you know, man, I got a nephew over here. That I don't want him to get in, you know, into any of that tech. That was, that's the, the line I think people that are picking yeah. apart the most. Because his nephew, if you know the yeah. character... He becomes the Prowler, uh, but his nephew is Miles Morales, who is Ultimate Spider-Man. Now that Peter Parker's been killed, and, and that all oh, that's universe. cool. I didn't know that. So yeah, mm-hmm. so his nephew is Spider-Man, and so um, that was kind of cool. And I love that the scene ended with, "Man, I got ice cream in here." <laughs> in about two hours, <laughs> man, I got, with his hands stuck in the hours. trunk. You're you're a criminal. You deserve it, man. I got ice cream in here. But it was cool. So like, he has the no, potential cool. to be the Prowler, who's like a really high tech kind of criminal from that beginning, which I think is fun. But mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe that's Sony kind of working their wheels to say, you know what, if we decide to reboot Spider-Man and we can't use Tom Holland, let's make Miles Morales Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got that seed planted. Let's check it out. Let's, let's see if we can explore that. So that, that would be fun. really neat. Mm-hmm. And Miles is a super awesome character. Mm-hmm. He's great. I was giddy when they hinted at him for the Spider-Man game. And mm-hmm. so I knew that... Um, Donald Glover was in it. I didn't realize that he was uh, the Prowler, which is just in the comics. He's got an identity called the Prowler, and he he's just a thief. Which was funny because, like, (laughs) in that scene when they're talking about all the the tech and stuff, he says something about wall wall climbers, and he goes, "Wait, did you say wall climbers?" And because like he's a thief and stuff, that would be something he might use and whatnot. But like that scene, I was I was waiting for something to happen, and when he was like, "Man, I just I don't want that tech around here." I got a ne- like I got a nephew, and I was just like I literally like 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 got giddy. I was like, "That's Miles Morales, he's in the universe." And so I was telling my friend like one thing I like like from a comic standpoint, uh, Peter's a little bit older and been doing it for a while. Miles is why why he's super popular is he's younger. He becomes spy. He he gets powers when he's like thirteen. He was even younger than 
uh, Peter was. And so in the comics, there's this like difference where Peter's a little bit older, a little more experienced, but Miles is much more like what Peter was in the beginning. And so what I would love to see, and this will be a while till they do it, but like three movies down the line, if they keep it going, I'd love to see if, you know, Peter was a little bit older for them to introduce Miles as like, you know, a 14 or 15 year old kid who's got powers. And this version of Peter is having to train him kind of like, how Iron Man sort of was the parental role in that or whatnot. But that that was such a good reference. I loved it. It was so good. I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to make sure we touched on that. So Yeah, and I think the the one that was my favorite Easter egg, and I think my, my least favorite, and the one that kind of made me mad about the entire movie. Like it was the one thing that I kind of focused on when we left the theater. I was like, why? Why did they do this? Was that uh, Zendaya, her character, um, who's sort of the the shy, quiet, yeah. doesn't care kind of character. You know, it plays as a nice sort of alternate romantic interest kind of throughout the, the entire film. Um, but at the end, she says, my friends call me MJ. And I got so mad because, I was like, no, MJ is Mary Jane and she doesn't show up till later. And you've done a really good job of not making mm-hmm. this a romance and then trying to cram too much stuff in. And I uh, even looked at like the director at the end and the writer said, you know, hey, like that was very intentional. We're looking at maybe kind of retelling this story with MJ mm-hmm. and I was like oh gosh okay you're so close you're so close I got but, I got uh, a little frustrated at that too Keith because like and we were we were watching it and we were talking about it at the end she's, and my wife was like is that supposed to be Mary Jane and I was like I guess so and I said and correct me if I'm wrong but in my head I'm like she doesn't have red hair she's gotta have red hair like that was my <laughs> biggest thing is like you just have to have red hair I know that's like a petty thing probably but I was the same way. I, that was some. That was an Easter egg I didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. For me, like, okay, so when it comes to like adaptations and stuff like this, like the characters, you know, we're talking about how much we love, you know, Peter being so much like he is in the comic. I lean towards I like stuff to be, you know, closer to what the source material is. You can change stuff and it could be fine, but like, and I can it still enjoy it, but like, I don't like huge changes like that. And so when I was talking to a friend. And I said, I basically said this about the movie. I said, I think as a Marvel movie, just a Spider-Man movie on its own, it is great. I really enjoyed it. I said, but as a comic book fan who likes the Peter Parker and the Spider-Man comics, there are some things that I don't like. And it doesn't take away from the movie. The movie was still good, but it's just things I don't like. And the whole MJ thing bothered me because like the whole time you have this character Michelle and they you could obviously she was important because she was in like four or five scenes and like she had some funny stuff but every time she popped up I was just like why are they focusing so so much on this I don't I don't I don't care I don't get this and so then at the very end when she was just like my friends call me call me MJ I was like are you serious you're gonna do that and oh, I can't believe, and it, fe- it very much felt like the end of The Dark Knight Rises when they're like, oh, hey, your name's Robin. Aha. Uh-huh. And they're like, haha, he was Robin without being Robin. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. really? That's a really <laughs> good so comparison. That, it felt like a cop out. And to me, it felt like they say that they're really building towards this. But to me, it almost felt like they were just like, no, we don't want them to know it's Mary Jane because it's not Mary Jane. But, but no, it felt thrown into me. And I, I don't know. I just didn't. I, it wasn't my favorite, and I felt like, you know, I'm all for... I think she should have just been a new character and them not just... It also makes me wonder if, like, there's some legal reason or some reason they couldn't actually use Mary Jane, and so they're like, well, fine, we'll make this character and we'll just call her MJ and leave it at that. 
I mean, that could be a good way to get around Sony's ownership is to create a completely new character, try to put a like a familiar facade on it. I mm. guess. Um, I don't know. I I wasn't too thrilled about the reveal either, personally. Um, and it just it, it didn't didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, it felt actually, very sort of rushed and thrown in. And I, the director ended up going back and saying, we wanted to make this very much not a romantic movie. Um, so that's why we didn't put Gwen Stacy and that's why we didn't put uh, Mary Jane in. But like at the same time, like, why would you Because him and that MJ have no romance. Nothing. Like, no <laughs> chemistry at all. <laughs> I think one thing that actually, and it's interesting because I've gotten... Um, talking to friends i've gotten a lot of pushback from this and uh i'm you know i guess i'm being overly honest right now outside this podcast i have a horrible potty mouth uh and i know when to turn it off um because i believe that there's uh, an appropriate time and an inappropriate time i think one of the things that really got me though was this is supposed to be the friendly neighborhood spider-man and there were two references to the f word and or three if you count mj flicking peter parker off Mm -hmm. um and i didn't really like that i don't know i just i felt it didn't need to exist in this film um you know if i want to go see that i'll go watch the hangover yeah Uh, yeah and i i to me i don't have kids yet but i want to be able to take my kid to you know it's funny because someone's like oh but there's violence and things which can be way more damaging but I mean, I don't know. I know kids hear it all the time, but I I, I just felt it should have been a little cleaner. No, I agree, and I'm actually glad you mentioned that, and because like we, we want to keep this podcast family friendly, so anybody can listen to it. And but like we were in the movie, and there was probably an eight year old sitting next to my girlfriend, and the joke about Ned being in the computer lab, and basically being like, "What are you doing in here?" is like, "Uh," and he just goes. I'm watching porn. And this kid next to me goes, did he say corn or cord? And I was just like, this kid should not be in this movie if this stuff yeah. is in it. Like, yeah. And so, like, that's a good za- good example. I'm glad you brought that up. And I, th- I think you agree. Keith, you have kids. Do you have a thought on that? Yeah, you know, it, it, at a point, I we have a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and our three-year-old loves superheroes. We, ha- we didn't take her to see Wonder Woman. We haven't actually taken her to see a superhero movie in the theater. We haven't watched any of them with her. Um, we watch the CW shows, um, like Flash and Supergirl. Um, they're a little more tame for TV. And yeah. what we do is we'll, when we're binge-watching them, uh, we'll, like, we'll watch an episode. Jamie and I, my wife, we'll, we'll watch a show the night before, and then we'll watch it with her during like bath and lotion time. And so, like, we know that it's a good episode, but, like, if it's got some questionable stuff in it, we'll skip over, and she doesn't know the difference. She just likes seeing Supergirl fly around and seeing the Flash run around when she's in her Flash pajamas. So, (laughs) you know, I I take it as a, you know, I really, I loved superhero stuff growing up, and, like, we're trying to ease her into it, but I don't want the fact that it's a campy superhero kind of film to be an excuse to kind of take my kids and expose them too early to things like violence and language and and that kind of thing. Um, So... You know that aside, the the middle finger thing I thought was a nice comedic building on that character, which I thought was fun. It kind of I think better explained the quirkiness of that character. Um, and the Aunt May thing at the end, I thought was was perfect for Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. If you've seen yeah. her film history with my cousin Benny and some of those, I thought it was a perfect fit. Um, I didn't love the the porn joke in in the 
computer lab and not just because of the porn thing but just because i saw it a mile away like yeah, it took like it a good seven target. eight seconds to deliver it and i was like he's gonna say that he's looking at porn just ready ready and there it is and so it's just it's an overdone joke it's just you know well but um i didn't love the ned character i thought he was fun i thought he helped kind of develop peter but um you know ned is supposed to be the hobgoblin later on really um, yeah, that Ned, uh, his character, that that Ned, whatever his last name was, Ned Leeds, I think, um, is the Hobgoblin later on in comics. And this character is obviously not going to become. I'm the what if he does? What if he does? How awesome would that be? Because he that knows one. who Peter Parker is. It could be cool. It could be cool. Um, but it, you know, one of the Hobgoblins. There's a couple, and they kind of go through and kind of like think goblins. He's, do you think but, he's going to have that hat? I don't know. I, I did love that. Uh, I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie was Aunt May saying, "said sometimes hats wear the men. You wear that hat." <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> I thought um, Aunt May's character was interesting. I didn't hate it per se, and I agree with what you guys are saying about the language and kind of that stuff. I thought the the kind of reference to the, the f bomb at the very end um, was funny, but more funny because of that her character and of, of kind of the Aunt May that she was being in that, in that kind of universe than anything else. Well, um, let me, let me clarify real quick too, because there's, there's one instance that hasn't been brought up that actually bothered me the most. Cause the, the cut with Aunt May didn't actually bother me that much, but it was actually when they were in the gym and they were playing the sex, Mary kill game. Oh and, yeah, I didn't like that at all. I remember, I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. bothered me honestly, and it just happened to be that there were a couple other instances, so it just kind of compounded. But that was the first instance, and I was like, you know, they didn't have to say, you know, f like they they didn't mm. say the word, they just said f. But like they could have said sex, they could have said sleep, mm. they could have said anything else. And and so I felt that it was just I don't know I, I felt it was unnecessary, and that to me was the yeah. one that really set itself up. I will yeah. say this though, it was very, and I I agree with you guys. I didn't care for that too, but it's pretty accurate of how teenagers are in high school. I mean, oh, absolutely. So there they go. they got that right, I guess, and I guess that's the kind of part of the line you're walking is, you know, where's it at? But yeah, the Ned character, Keith, I can't see him as Hobgoblin. I keep thinking that <laughs> in the back of my head, and this is gonna sound so horrible. I'm just thinking of like a real chubby guy in the suit. I'm thinking about that scene with with Ned with the the Spider-Man mask on. And like I'm just trying to think of like a hobgoblin suit, kind of like that, and I'm chuckling in my head a little bit about it. Um, but who knows? Now, what if he pulls a Jonah Hill and just like drops all this weight, maybe and really built, and then and comes out of nowhere? Because I mean, is Peter Parker going to suspect that? No, that's true. I wouldn't. That sounds bad, but I wouldn't. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like I'm not trying to. Like I'm just saying, like anything is possible, and I think it would be an interesting change. You know. Hey. Or what if he comes up and he goes, oh, my friends call me Harry Osborne. What? What? So <laughs> He's more like the character Ned. He, he was good. I'm glad he had a, like, he had a best friend, but he got more on my nerves more than anything else. And he's, yeah. he's, his name is Ned, which is a character in the comics who becomes the Hobgoblin. But he's more, he's basically Gank Lee, which is Miles Morales' best friend in the comics. He's pretty much identical to the character in the comics and that's pretty much uh, just like just to the point of i mean if you look it up like even to the point of the scene in the bedroom is almost taken directly out of the comic with miles morales and like the stuff like there's one comic i read where like he just blats out to a, this guy that he's 
Spider-Man because this kid was a mutant and was on the X-Men for a little while. And he's like, Miles is Spider-Man and Miles gets so mad and it was just so dumb. And so stuff like that really, that bothered me about Ned because like the whole, the scene in the gym where it's like, Peter knows Spider-Man. I was just like, Ned, I would murder you if you were my best friend and you did this. So that, he wasn't my favorite, but... Yeah, I will say yeah. kind of as we close that this film, I think more than any other so far, had did a really good job at giving nods to both the Sony films and the MCU and the history of, of Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the comics. But, you know, the, mm-hmm. the scene from Amazing Spider-Man 33 with the rubble and the water falling down on him at oh, the yeah. end, and, you know, all of these other scenes, it did a really good job. I think it's just kind of subtly touching here and there, and, and, and mm-hmm. I think it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um before you know we close out a couple little things i just want to touch on that you know uh i didn't care for flash um i like the stereotypical jock big you know guy um it does fit better in what bullies are like in real life to be honest and i think that's what they were going for so that works but for me if you want to they were at like a science school too yeah, but like yeah. if you're gonna take a character and you want to do like a smart guy to compete and be more of a rival and be a jerk to to Peter, there are characters like Amadeus Cho in the comics that are that. You didn't have to completely change Flash because you know I, I just wasn't a big fan of that. Um, I'm glad there wasn't a ton of Iron Man in it. You know mm-hmm. the trailer. Oh, there was plenty like of Iron was, Man. It that, was just yes. named Spider Man. Yeah. Well, okay. And so that's <laughs> that, that's true. So no, no, I agree. <laughs> no, I, I agree with Tommy. Like, okay, so that that goes into my other thing. Like, there was zero spider sense in this movie. He does not have a spider sense in this movie, and oh, to combat that, they huh. do the Iron Man thing. So his AI and all that kind of took the place of his spider sense. And while Which Karen was hilarious, I'll give Karen, them those scenes for were that. great. Yeah, I will agree with Tommy. There, those scenes, some of those scenes were great, and Karen was great. But like, the only time we see. Peter being techie and working on his stuff is when he makes the webs. Mm-hmm. I like my Spider-Man being making most of his gadgets, and this is all Tony's stuff, and it was a little excessive to me. Um, and the whole lack of Spider-Sense, he does um, he does have uh, a Spider-Sense because we saw it in Civil War, but it's 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 they just said they didn't really want to want to use it, so they just didn't do that. But I did want to bring that up because that is a big thing that's been in other movies and is in the comics. Um, that was only other, those are only other things that I didn't care for that, you know, the ending with Pepper was random to me with the that conference. That was random. Um, okay. So I missed, are you guys talking about the final stupid yeah. thing? And okay. Like, so I left after the, the first one. I'm done. I'm done with these stupid not, after not, credits. Not post credits. So we're talking at the end when Piper shows oh, back up because oh, we've oh, not seen her in yeah. like four or five movies. Pepper Potts. Oh, really? Pepper see, Potts. I yeah. broke up in Civil War. Five movies. I, yeah. I literally, I didn't see Civil War. I didn't see uh, Age of Ultron, I think, is the last Marvel movie outside of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that I've watched. Yeah. Civil War was good, but... Sorry. Anyways, so Pepper Potts, I interrupted. Yeah. So, and uh, but so just at the very end, you know, they basically say you should join the Avengers, and they pull up basically the Iron Spider suit, which is different from the comics, but that's basically what it was—a new suit. He says, "No, I'm going to go do my thing," and then Pepper just randomly shows up out of nowhere, and apparently, her and Tony are back together, and now they're going to get married. That was yeah. That felt weird. Um, Especially since uh, he was hitting on Aunt May through the last two movies yeah that's <laughs> so true 
That's so, what Tony Stark said. This is Tony Stark, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was it. The, um, <laughs> two things. So, so two things I did really, really like, though, you know, because I feel like we've been talking about the negatives of, of a movie that we all seem to really like. Um, there was a reference to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love that. Which was amazing because Peter's just running through the yard and one of the yards they were actually watching Ferris Bueller and it just made my made me happy. And then all of the Captain America references of like him being doing like the training programs and one of my favorite things is the the coach the gym coach like it turns off and he goes yeah i'm pretty sure that guy's a war criminal now um but whatever <laughs> but they're still showing these old videotapes which was hilarious but um, i love that the movie ended with one like after making everybody sit there and wait the entire time like he walks out and does one about patience and how sometimes it doesn't pay off and then being disappointed <laughs> sometimes you just get really disappointed and i love <laughs> and I, I know that was 100 percent intentional because again this is supposed to be a high schooler kind of youthful movie so like how would you end how would a high schooler end a movie? Because you know, it starts out a, a film by Peter Parker at the very beginning. Like, mm-hmm. how would a 15-year-old end a movie? Well, they would obviously they would troll the entire audience. That's true. Yeah. Um, instead of giving them a teaser to, to Thor, so I thought that was great. I loved it. We I'm we kinda, got a good laugh and, and yeah, left. I'm kind of getting burnt out on post-credit scenes, but I really thought that Guardians two and then that that very last Captain America one just kind of are like, yeah, we know these are ridiculous. We're kind of getting tired of them too, so we're just gonna kind of laugh together through the pain. Wonder Woman didn't have a post-credit scene. Yeah, but that's yeah, DC. Well, and DC's being very intentional. They've said that they're not gonna do any of those in any of their films, and, which and I think is great. Good for them. You know. Yeah. All right, so that's kind of all the stuff I had. Um, so to close out. What I want to do is our the rating system that I've come up with for our movies is very simple. You rate the movie whether you think it was dope or nope. So you either loved it or you hated it. There's dope no in nope. between. I dig that. Dope or nope. <laughs> so right. what? Let's do this. Um, I want us to each say what we thought was our favorite part of the movie, whether it was a scene or a line or whatnot, even if you've already mentioned it, and then what's your um, final say on the matter is. So... Drew, start us off. I thought it was dope. I liked this movie. Um, Even though, and you know, it's easy to pick out things wrong, I think there was more positive things than negative things. I felt like this was a a good Marvel movie. Um, Felt different enough to me. Um, And my favorite thing about the whole thing is just Peter Parker. I loved Peter Parker in this movie. I just thought he was awkward and terrible and one like the the one scene that he has the hall pass and he's talking to liz and he like asks her to homecoming and like she says yes he walks away and like he's like nervous he's got that goofy smile like that whole thing just i don't know i just loved the character of peter parker in this movie it was great so that was me it's dope go see it <laughs> i say uh dope uh, my favorite part of the movie uh by far was at the end after the buildings collapsed on peter and he's having just a panic attack and he's freaking out and, and he realizes at that point that it's not about the suit, it's about him and it's about what he can do. Um, but I think just the the rawness of the performance I think just made made the movie for me. Dope. Uh, I'm going to go with nope. Uh, even though we finally have a Spider-Man who went back to cartridges, uh I'm just I'm like too that. pissed off. I'm too pissed off that this wasn't Spider Man. This was Iron Man with a spider on his chest. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say 
or, or Tommy, did you have a favorite part though? Even though you said oh, no. my favorite part was that they brought the cartridges back. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to give it a dope because I really, really enjoyed it because if I look at it from just a movie standpoint and don't think about the, the comic stuff that bothered me, it was really enjoyable and that stuff worked fine. Um, my favorite part, the the fight on the, the ferry was awesome, but the whole thing at the Lincoln Memorial was super cool to me. Like when he gets up to the very top and he's just like terrified of the heights and he has to like jump over the helicopter and swing in and save the, saves the day the last second. That was uh, something I, I really liked and stuff. And also as a reference, because apparently with the comics and stuff, they always say if you ever see Spider-Man and he doesn't, it looks like he's swinging from nothing, just assume there's a helicopter up there. So that whole thing <laughs> swinging from the helicopter was a reference to that, which I that, thought was kind that of That scene on the golf course was hilarious, too, where he's, like, running, and he's, yes. like, oh, he's like, oh, oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. that we finally got, because that, that's always something I've always wondered about. It's like, what would Spider-Man do in the suburbs? He wouldn't have it. And then we have that. He runs up, and he just goes, whip, whip, and it just goes flying, and nothing happens. And he goes, huh. And then he starts running, and I was like, like thank sucks. you, we've addressed it. It's happened. Uh, it was so funny. Oh, gosh. Sweet. So, there you go. Three dopes, one nope. That was our talk about Spider-Man Homecoming, and that's pretty much our episode. Um, before we close out, we now have a Facebook page. So if you want to check us out on Facebook, search The Valkyrie Cast, and you can like our page and participate. Let us know what you thought about the movie. Um, let us know if you have any topic ideas or anything like that, or just join in the conversation. Um and that's it. That's our episode. So thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next week. We are the Valkyrie Cast. <laughs>